Hello, happy. I am excellent. Happy National Fast Food Day to you. I had no idea. <laughs> yes, National Fast Food Day. I, um, my wife already brought in McDonald's for me, so oh yeah, I'm already celebrating. I am already <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. They have a, a day for everything now, practically. There is. There is, and that's one of the that's one of the big things that I use. I um I look up every morning when I wake up. I look up what to celebrate, what special things it about today. That way, I can have some reason. No matter what, I've always got some reason to get out the bed and just smile and happy fast food day and whatever. I'm yeah. going to find something. Yes, little things. It's it's finding little things, and then you just build up on it. Yep, it sure is. Be able to, sure yeah, is. to be able to find that inner peace. And and the inner peace is everything. The, the inside is just as important as the outside, if not more. I, I think it's more important. I think it's more important because I realize that you can have everything on the outside and still be very unhappy on the inside. So it really starts with the inside in this this world we're taught everything external and this is why most of us can't find happiness for most of our lives but i think that it's the opposite we should start looking inward and then filling our lives externally so i think that well i believe the education system is is really not appropriate i feel it's broken and it doesn't really it doesn't really give us the tools that we need for life so that's my big I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Well, welcome. Well, welcome very much to the podcast. It is it is Thursday, November 16th. And to make sure I'm saying your name correctly, will you will you, will you pronounce it your name for us? Pronounce sure, your name my for name, us? Naomi Nye. Naomi. Naomi Nye. Okay, so I would have said it right. If I would have started out with that, <laughs> I would have said it right. How's it going for you, Miss Nye? Happy National Fast Food Day to you. A thousand thank, thank yous for coming on the podcast and talk and talk to us today. Thank you for having me. Glad hey, no problem here. at all. No problem at all. Whenever we met on Facebook, from the message that you sent me, I could tell that you would be a great guest and a great a great person to have on this podcast. I could tell you would be somebody that the rest of my tribes people would love to hear from, to meet, to know what it is that you speak of. Thank you. So no problem what, at all. I, what I speak of basically is I, I work with, with youth. I work with families. And the reason is a little bit because of what I told you about the education. I realized in my life, I got to a point where I even tried to take my own life because of my challenges. I was born um, with a club foot. I have had so many complications, over 12 surgeries. I've had both ankles. Uh, I've had work on both ankles, hips replaced, 10 herniated discs. So I had a lot of challenges in my life. Also growing up, I grew up in a very, very abusive home. A Jehovah Witness environment. I was Jehovah Witness till I was 27. So uh, I had a very difficult upbringing. And you know, the funny thing is, you think that when you leave that environment, that everything's going to be okay, because you're in control. But what happens is you forget about the programs. And that's everything just like a computer has software programs, humans, we do too. And they're called patterns, patterns of behavior. And I was not aware of 
any of this because I had never delved into personal development. And when I started facing all this trauma, I went to therapists. I was on, I was on over 30 medications a day and nothing was helping. Nothing was helping. And when I got into personal development after a suicide attempt, that was when the light bulb turned on. And I realized, my goodness, why aren't they teaching this in school? This is vital. This is not a luxury for anybody. This is vital. All of us need to learn how to communicate, how to develop self-awareness. Most importantly, how to regulate ourselves and our emotions. You see all the violence that's going on today. It really stems from this, from this individual lack of personal development, personal regulation, lack of emotional intelligence. And I really feel that if we all did this, we wouldn't need any of these governments. We wouldn't need anything because we could all individually have auto dominion, right? And be able to control ourselves and live in a peaceful world. And that's why I chose, instead of working with anyone, to work with youth because they are the future of our world, right? And we want to improve society. And so I thought, what better way than to help families and give them these tools? That is good stuff. I know exactly what you speak of when you say that you connected with the youth because of what you've been through. It's the reason why I do, why I speak to people in wheelchairs because I'm severely disabled. I'm in a wheelchair myself now. You spoke at the club foot and the surgeries and the and the, and the, and, the, and the physical limitations that you've been through. Yes. Like I just told you, I'm severely disabled. I have primary progressive multiple sclerosis. So I was walking, talking. I was. It's good that we connected because so much yes. of what you spoke of, I I could just go on and on about about how I feel that connects us. I used to be a school teacher. I taught middle school students, and I did middle school for almost twenty years. I did um. I ended up doing a class adaptable behavior. So all of my kids were the ones who have been through, well, who, who have had tough childhoods. They're they're coming to school. They are they are selling drugs. They're fighting. They're skipping. They're doing all types of wild out stuff. And over eighty eight percent of avid students, the the class that I taught, went to a went to a educational program it could be a junior college it could be a technical school it could be a four-year college but over 88 percent left middle school and graduated high school and went on to become first generation college goers and doing, doing other uh, other type of stuff yeah so what you speak of about speaking to the youth that is big i've seen it i know it i feel it yeah. that is big and and also because i feel that a lot of youth um and I feel that a lot has to do with the system. I feel that the system preaches the victimhood mentality, uh, the sense of entitlement. And so it permeates our society. And it makes me sad because when I look at youth and I look at these kids online, they have so much to look forward to. I mean, I mean, look at us. There are, I spent half of the year where I really can't walk because the swelling is so intense in my feet that I do work like mm. this. But I, I'm, I can't be walking around, I can't be exercising, I can't be doing stuff. And so I thought, you know, people like us are the ones that should be talking to you to say, hey, you have so much to look forward to. You have so much going for you. Don't let your mind take over, right? Because that's what our mind does. It does it to protect us. You, we know this, that we have that survival brain that is always looking 
looking for danger because you know it's still looking for that saber-toothed tiger yep. that existed yep. thousands of years ago and here we are in this new society and our brain still hasn't adapted to the technology right and so we're looking online and we see these people with great lives and we get down so it's just teaching youth the mindset to be able to see the glass half full right I because like If you think about it, we always have something to be grateful for. The thing always. is what we choose to focus our mind to. And, and I teach youth about the default mode network because that is like, for example, you've never seen a purple car, but then your friend buys a purple car. And now all of a sudden you see purple cars everywhere because that's what the mind does, right? It, our mind really captures everything. That's why uh, when people are hypnotized, they're able to speak other languages and stuff like that because they remember, because we do take everything in just like computers do, but it's just stored in our subconscious. So how do we bring it to the surface? Right. And that's what the default mode network does. It helps you take everything out and focus on what you need to focus, but we have to train it. Because if we sit there focusing on, oh man, you know, I don't have this and all my friends have that and I don't have the latest, you know, video game or, you know, I don't have the latest iPhone and we focus, all that that default mode network is going to give you is that it's going to show you more of that. And so that's why training our mind to be able to, like I said, look at the cup half full instead of half empty to me is a game changer. It's everything. It's absolutely everything. Yeah, perspective is perspective is a huge part of it. We spoke yeah. earlier about how about how we both feel the inside is more important than the outside, and that's part of it. That perspective, knowing how to view the world, understanding that things can still be good, being grateful, knowing yes. the difference between being grateful, showing gratitude—all those are elements of that inside. Whenever we are talking about two thousand twenty-three. And you're working with the youth and with the youth now, of course, things are different since we have grown up. So computers, oh, yeah. cell phones, all this stuff was always a part that feels to be a part of the, the youth themselves. They, they almost cannot separate themselves from the online piece. Yeah. How does all of this virtual stuff, this online stuff play into your into your mentoring and working with the youth? Well, what I, I try to teach, just like the youth as the parents, is that use social media. Don't let social media use you. Because what I've noticed with a lot of the teens I work with, they have this constant underlined anxiety over social media, what's going on. They put their phone down, but they're still not at rest. They always feel like they're missing out. And once again, it starts with, with setting boundaries. And it starts with, again, that self-regulation. And... What I like to teach them is to prioritize. Like, okay, so you like doing this. Okay, you like scrolling on walls. Now you spend four or five hours a day scrolling on a wall. Does that make you feel better? Did you gain anything mm. from it, right? Did you gain anything from it? Were you productive? And so it's just teaching them, again, habits and patterns. Like, okay, so you have this pattern. Is it working for you? If it's not working for you, how about let's replace it for something that works better for you? You know, it's, it's teaching them how to be smart, uh, not just with their time, but with their habits, with their patterns and to observe and develop that self-awareness and say, okay, okay, I'm doing this, but I don't feel better. I'm doing this, but I'm not getting anything I want. And so it's just teaching them that practice 
and they start developing it, right? Mm -hmm. And then slowly they start changing their life. They start seeing the improvements and they start feeling better. It's, um, it's really hard nowadays because we live in a world where everything is instant, instant, you know, delayed gratification is something of the past. I remember when I used to watch a series and I had to wait an entire week till the next episode. That doesn't even happen anymore. You know what I mean? And although this is great to be able to have that, but it's also making us so entitled and ungrateful. So it's just always keeping that practice of teaching them these skills. It's, it's tools that we all need to learn because, you know, nobody teaches us these things, mm -mm. you know? Nope. And so we need to be taught them, right? And, and, and this is how uh, slowly you start, you know, because I have a lot of parents that come to me and talk about their kids having anxiety and all of this. And when you realize where anxiety stems from, right? It's, it's really from not taking action. It's really from uh, an internal resistance, an internal dissatisfaction. And when you're able to figure that out, right, get to the root cause of it, because I've taken pills before. And if someone needs to take medication, I'm all for it. But I don't want you or I don't want you to use the pill as a bandaid thinking that, okay, they're taking this for anxiety and that's it because we know what happens. I've taken medications, we get accustomed. And then what do we need to do? We need to up it and then yep. we need to up it. Right. But then at the same time, we're not learning those skills to change that behavior. And so it's a combination of, of training them to be able to change that behavior so that we actually get to the root of the problem and not just put a bandaid like, like the system does on everything. They just want to put band-aids on everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. As a former teacher, I am very familiar with the band-aids that schools use. I remember thinking sometimes these things that I'm doing in the classroom, I knew it was a band-aid. But that's the way we have to handle certain situations. So I have to roll, have to roll with it, have to roll with it that way. Whenever you are working with the youth, are you working with families in a one-on-one -on -one setting? Do you do it virtually? Do you do it in group settings? Um, I do it virtually. Um, and I am doing it in group settings. For example, on January 8th, we have our, uh, designer life blueprint, a teen group coaching program. And we do that a couple of times a year. And I also do one-on-one. -on -one. I work with moms as well, um, but not families together. Uh, I haven't done that. Mm. I kind of feel that it works best uh, working individual. It gives them a little bit more privacy and a little bit more freedom to, to express themselves and to feel comfortable. And, and I love doing group, co group coaching because it, it helps you to have like-minded individuals who are working together towards the same thing. And it creates a deeper bond because although we are super connected, like they say, I feel that the relationships today are much more superficial than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so it's being able to teach them how to really nurture a real relationship, because I believe that that's a source of happiness. You know, when, I don't know, we all know who Tony Robbins is. He talks about how yep. humans have six basic human needs. And one of these human needs is belonging. And it's predominant in youth because that is when we're coming out into the world, when we're socializing, when we're uh, experimenting with our identity, we're learning about our sexuality, we're learning about everything. And, you know, peers, 
having that group, having that tribe is really, really important. And I feel like that's something that's lacking. So it's something that we want to bring, right? That, that positive reinforcement, that, that uh, tribe, like you say. Um, I'm big on the word tribes, people. Yes. Yeah. I'm huge on those words. I, um, when I first got diagnosed, I struggled with this illness. Of course, anybody would as you are becoming disabled and things are mounting up. But once I but once I found that community, once I found those tribes, people, I understand that there were people out there who were just like me, who didn't want to take the medications, wheelchair bound, but they're still drinking. Um, I use a lot of cannabis to treat myself. So my two biggest my two biggest things I use to treat my illness are mindset and cannabis. And yes. once I found people online, started talking to people online who do the same thing, we're all talking about how to use it, how to smoke it, which one is good, which one is bad. How I mean, just different ways. All of that exploded, blossomed, and I stopped feeling so alone. Because when I first yes. got diagnosed with this, I mean, I spent years, even though I'm married and I have four kids here, there's nobody that, that I can talk to about this. You don't want to. Um, I'm very sure there, I'm very sure that you are familiar with the feeling of not only of no of feeling like you can't talk to anybody because if I do start talking about my situation, how awful and ugly it is, I'm going to bring the mood down for everybody yes. else in here. And I do not want them to feel bad. So let me just be quiet and pretend like everything is is okay. That was that that that, that took a while for me to for me to find those tribe people. I found them online. You spoke of leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses. Did you find tribes people before they gave you the strength to leave? Or did you have to find those tribes people in the community after you left? After I left, I decided mm. that I, I could not take this environment anymore. And well, my story, the story of my family got very serious, uh, very serious. There was police and everything involved. And and uh, the I, I stayed to support my mother, but I, I couldn't do it anymore because I realized that this wasn't, this wasn't going anywhere. This wasn't a healthy environment. And I can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. You understand? Yes. Like I can't carry yeah. you, you know, I can only do it for so long, you know, and, and this is, this is something that we need to understand, you know, when it comes to attachment and I have a great relationship with my mother now, so it's not that, but you know, we attach ourselves and, and it's hard to let go because we feel that obligation. But sometimes we do have to let go because in the end, this is our experience. Our parents brought us into this world and it's a great gift, but it's our experience to have, you know? And so I decided to leave the nest when, when I couldn't anymore. And I was like 26 and a half years old. And no, I did not have anyone. I had to find my tribe and start all over. And that was where things got really, really difficult because of course, you know, I thought I'm free, but I didn't realize that I had taken the prison with me. It was, it was in here. And that was where my real journey began. Whenever I, um, when I found those people and I was on my journey to accept my illness and everything, the first big lesson that I learned and I learned and I've kept it in the core. I've, I repeat it all the time. I've spoke about it earlier and there is a difference between being grateful, showing gratitude. And I tell people that being grateful is when you list off what you're grateful for. I'm grateful for the sun. 
I'm grateful uh-huh. to have a house. I'm grateful my kids are healthy. I'm grateful I have a job. Showing gratitude is when you actually stop to tell the story of why you are grateful or you either write down that story in a gratitude journal. So you don't just write down, I have a house, I have a car. You are writing out, I'm grateful I have a house because it is hot outside and I have AC and the kids have something to eat and have a refrigerator. You put all that in there because I realized the longer I'm writing out that story, the longer I am telling that story of why I am grateful, then I don't have all the negative thoughts banging inside my head. I'm not overthinking what I used to be able to do, what I can't do. I'm not overthinking how much time I have left. I'm not overthinking the bills that are due and banging at the door. You got to pay for the Netflix and everything else. I'm not overthinking any of that. I'm just in the moment of writing that story out of why. And from there, it goes into, you know, sometimes I think, to myself, oh, man, I wrote about the house yesterday. Huh? And I flip back a couple of pages. I, I want to write about the house today. And all that time I'm thinking of, I don't want to write about the house. I want to write about the grass. I want to write about the kids. All of that is time away from from the negative thoughts. And that was the first big thing that I got to accept that got me going in the right thing. As you as you dive into helping out the youth and as you have rebuilt yourself from, from what you have been through, what was the prevailing? What was that first thought that you just hold on to all the time you come back to? Do you have one of those or is it just a big plethora, just a big amount? Well, um, so the big thought is, you know, when I was really depressed and suicidal, I I bumped into this British pastor who has no arms and no legs. I don't know if you've seen him on TV. Seen him. Yep. Seen him. Married with kids too. Beautiful family, beautiful family. And he really made me turn things around because I thought, how, how can I be so ungrateful for all the blessings that I have had? And, you know, and this is what I teach people. It doesn't matter the difficult circumstance that you have. That's what life is really about. Life is going to throw challenges at you. It's not about that. It's about how you handle the challenges. Because let me tell you, I've seen this in my personal life. You can be thrown a challenge and you can make it a thousand times worse by your complaining, by your, by your, Yep. Just going crazy by by being impulsive, by doing the right, wrong thing, by just ignoring it and putting it aside, we make things worse, right? And so when I started seeing these examples, what says, always stays in my mind is Naomi. It doesn't matter that today you can't get out of bed, okay? But this is one day. You can still work. You can still write, okay? You can still watch something. You can still do everything that you want. You're just limited right now. You're just limited. And I can imagine that you had to go through that same training in your mind because we're always thinking of what we don't have. And it's just a retraining of the mind. So my thing is always this. It's, it's always thinking the glass is half full. The glass is half full. Today might be a little harder, but the glass is half full. And what you mentioned mm-hmm. about writing to me is magic. This is what I teach and I actually have a, a journal that I give all my students that I actually have online um, because I think it's fantastic. You know, writing is magic. Uh, when you write things down, you're doing two things because when you say something and when you hear something, you're only getting 10% of the value of it. But when mm-hmm. you write it, 
And when you speak it, you're getting 20, 30% of the value. When you're teaching it, you're getting 50% of the value. You see what I'm, what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so that's yep. why I, I believe that it's, it's a magical skill. And not only that, uh, usually when the things that you write down, they end up coming to fruition. And that's why I teach a youth to journal every day, even if it's for a couple of minutes, because it gets you into that mindset. And uh, I'm also a big fan of Abraham Hicks. And she talks about that 17 second rule. I don't know if you've heard about it. So no, I do not. I don't, I've heard of Abraham Hicks, but I want to hear about this 17 second. So rule. the 17 second rule, she says, is if you're going to complain, set your timer on for 17 seconds and then stop because once you pass those 17 seconds and there's there's uh, scientific studies based on this your mind goes into a loop and it gets much harder to stop it it's like it's like you know when you have a little a little ball of sand going down a hill and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger you got to stop it and yeah. then the more you let it roll down it's just going to be impossible for you to stop it right so yes. i always think of the 17 second rule just little things every day to help you, you know, stay motivated and help you stay looking forward. And so that's a rule that I, I always teach my students that 17 second rule, just as well as the writing, because I feel like these are two very important things to teach them. Because if you realize we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, and the most important thing is this is when I real this is what I realized in my personal development, I had no idea what was going on in there. What I was getting was the after effects. I was getting the inner critic you know, just going crazy on me, but mm -hmm. I wasn't getting to the bottom, you know, and seeing what all these really thoughts, what these thoughts were about. And when you become the observer of your thoughts, then you're like, oh my goodness, well, why am I even thinking this? And where did it even come from? And this is something that I teach youth. You know, sometimes we hate on ourselves, but we don't hate on ourselves. It's impossible for our inner self, for our higher self, for God, for spirit to hate you. So where is this coming from? Well, this is probably coming from the television. This is probably coming from something you've heard. This is probably coming from some bully or some kid in school that told you you were a loser, or you know maybe you had some problems at home. Maybe you have a parent that happens to be very critical. You know, and this is where we get all these thought formations, and then we think that this is us. This is who we are. I'm stuck. I'm a loser. I can't do that. I'm not good at basketball. I can't do anything. And this is not who we really are, you know, and it's being able to teach you the neuroscience of how the mind works and, and how human behavior works. And when the same thing happened to me, when you teach them that it's like that little light bulb goes on and they realize, oh my God, I do have power. I do have control because what happens with most of us is we feel we have no control over what happens which is not true and it's teaching them that and that's how you build their self-confidence you know i like Those that the, i the, super the, dig the, the tips and the strategies that that i use that help me and that i teach youth to help them get that the growth mindset that that they need to be able to confront life And they definitely need that. Like well, like we spoke of earlier, they are sure not learning that at school. And a lot of times I love my parents, but that is not a skill of working myself through my inner thoughts. That's not something I learned in my own home. And I had, oh. I had mom and dad there. 
I would seem to have the perfect life, but until I got this illness, began to work through thoughts and actually sit with myself and meditate and do yoga and breathing exercises and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't, I did not believe this world even existed. I had no idea about the higher planes of thoughts. To me, none of that stuff, none of that stuff ever worked, ever worked for me. Okay, so look, I'm super duper curious. Now, I just spoke about the story, the difference between being grateful and showing gratitude. Is there a story of gratitude that you want to share with us today? Something that something that happened and you can tell us why you're so grateful about it? Um, well, the reason why I'm, I'm so grateful is uh, because I feel that I was running most of my life uh, searching for the wrong things. Mm. So we live in this world and they teach us, you know, you got to have the house, you got to have the car, you got to have the money, you, you got to have the, this, this beautiful thing and, and all these external things, right? And that was what I spent most of my life chasing, chasing, chasing. And I didn't realize that that was where the source of emptiness came because remember, when we focus our on our world on our external world and we ignore our internal world we can't be happy and mm. in a way um although all these terrible things happened to me and i've gotten so sick you know for many years i asked myself because you know my my health got so complicated and it was very unnecessary it was medical negligence there was parental negligence there was so much that happened that didn't have to happen that could have saved me 10 15 years of trouble and not have to undergo th what I have to go through. And what I realized was, wow, if I hadn't experienced all of this, I would not be the person that I am today and I would not be able to do what I am doing today. And Beautiful. which is what makes me happy and what makes me feel truly fulfilled. And this is why I love teaching youth about purpose and meaning. Because if you think about it, I know that atheism runs very big now, but I don't believe that it's our true human nature to be atheist. I believe that we were all born with this innate desire, this innate feeling to believe in something bigger than ourselves, right? And it, you could call it God, you can call it spirit, you could call it source, you could call it your higher self, you could call it energy or creation. The universe. Yep. The universe, right? But we all have that need. And if you, you notice, uh, a lot of these secular uh, people right now are, to me, I feel like they're worshiping the earth with this climate movement. Because I feel it stems from that innate desire to believe in something bigger than yourselves. But when you teach someone purpose, and we all have a purpose, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, for example, I have friends who find their purpose in just raising their family and making sure that their family has everything they need. There are people who find purpose in what they do, whether it's creating or doing something or entrepreneurship. But when you find meaning in life, you're able to tolerate, I would say practically anything. And if you look at the stories of people that have been through horrible times, like even the Holocaust and stuff like that, what kept them going through all of that was that was keeping that purpose. I am here for a reason. I am bigger than this. I am bigger than my external circumstances. And that is what helped me. That is what helped me. And, and I feel grateful because hadn't it been for that, I would probably still be living an empty life and would not know what's wrong with me and would not be able to get that, that happiness that I feel when I get that letter, when I get uh, someone that is so happy, 
you know, from, from the changes that they made, from the results that they got, or from, you know, something that they learned when they were with me. So that's why I, I feel grateful no matter what. I love it. Oh, man, I love it. That right there was good stuff. We're about to get ready to, to let you go, Naomi, so, so you can continue on with your day. But before we go, I've got to know, is there anything that you would recommend that you're watching or streaming on Netflix or Hulu, TV, anything else? Anything like that that you're watching? Um, well, currently at the moment, no. But I would say that uh, for those families who have Netflix, there are some amazing uh, series that have to do with the brain. I forget the name right now, but I could check it out, which is fantastic because it starts teaching you how easy it is. You know, for example, we don't realize that reality is different for each and every one of us. My reality is not your reality, right? And we create a reality by our perceptions. And so it's very important to understand that. And so there's this, there's this amazing series that goes in depth talking about the neuroscience of the brain and how it works. And it shows amazing experiments, like even with kids and about food and like how they trick kids saying, okay, this is a veggie burger and this is a regular burger. And kids are like, I will never eat this. And then they trick them and then they eat the burger and it's delicious because it's based on perceptions to teach them how your reality is based on your perception. So what is your perception of this world? Do you live in a friendly world? Or do you live in a hostile world, right? What kind of world do you live in? And so it's very interesting. I would suggest it to everyone um, because it really teaches us a lot about ourselves. And I feel that the more that we know about ourselves, the better our lives will be. Yes. Oh, man, that was, that was a good one. That is the way to end an episode of Mindset of a Bullshit. Naomi, 1,000 thank yous for gracing the podcast, discussing with us mindset, how to work with youth, the things that you do to help the youth elevate themselves and get themselves into a better situation. I'm loving it. I dig it. I'm going to support you by sharing what you're doing. That's why I want, I want to join this podcast. I want to make this, thank I want you. to put this out there for everybody else to see it. I'm going to make sure I send it to you also so you can use it as marketing or advertising or promotions or however you need to. Again, 1,000 thank yous, Naomi, for, 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 for rocking with us. And I hope you enjoyed the rest of your National Fast Food Day. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And I also hope you enjoy your McDonald's or if you already had it. <laughs> that I did. I'm, ready, I'm now ready to work. move on to Whataburger. I got a whole plan to do this to do this fast food today. I'm ready for Whataburger now. Oh, you're going, you're going all in, a hundred percent. I'm going all in, a hundred percent, all in. You enjoy the rest of your Thursday, ma'am. You too. It was good talking to you, Keith. Yes, love it. Yo, what is this podcast about? I am Kendrick Avant. The podcast is Mindset Over Bullshit. And I'm teaching wheelchair users and anybody with limitations tricks of how to remain positive so you can get through your day. <laughs>